This is the Head Torch Podcast. Welcome. Our mission, to create a mentally healthy culture at work. Keeping the conversations alive, our podcasts bring you great presenters and stimulating discussion on mental health and well-being in the workplace. Enjoy. Welcome, welcome to you all. My name's Amy McDonald, for those of you that haven't met me before. I'm Angus Robinson. And we also have Nick Lander, who is working away in the background to support all the technical needs of this session. And of course, we have our amazing guest, Jackie Vaz, who I will introduce more fully shortly. For those of you that haven't been to a Wellbeing Hour before, this is being recorded so that it's available afterwards for you to go back to if you want to or share with others and also as a podcast and as a webinar. We are Head Torch for those of you that don't know us and what we do is work with organizations to enable them to develop a mentally healthy culture. So we work with every level of an organization with senior leaders, people leaders and frontline people and we work anywhere and everywhere, locally, nationally, globally even. If you're interested to find out a bit more, then do contact us afterwards. We're always happy to have a chat. This session then, let me tell you a little bit about the shape of it, if you like. So I will introduce our guest shortly, and then she will introduce herself using a mystery object of her choice. And then she and I will move into conversation and then after some time, Jackie's going to pose a question to you and we will open up the floor for chat, if you like. So you can respond to Jackie's question or perhaps you have another question that you would like to pose to her. Then Jackie and I will have another conversation. She's going to share some of her top tips for us all. And then we'll finish off with a few rapid fire questions before Angus takes up the helm to share with us who is coming up next in the Wellbeing Hour. So then, let me introduce you to Jackie Vaz. Jackie is a financial wellbeing specialist and independent financial advisor with Prosperity Wealth. We first met Jackie quite a few years ago now at a wellbeing conference in Birmingham. And over the years, we met her there a few times and we not only were inspired by her knowledge, but also very much enjoyed her fantastic sense of humour. So hopefully we'll get a bit of that today as well. So Jackie is an employee benefits consultant for Prosperity Wealth, who are part of the Fairstone Group. She began in the financial services in the 1990s with her father's business. And in 2002, she qualified as an IFA and then took over the reins from her father's business. Jackie specializes in workplace benefits and financial education in the workplace where pensions, she says, are typically the most poorly understood product in the financial services. So for Jackie, financial education has evolved into helping employers embed financial well-being and financial resilience amongst their workforce through benefits, support and education. Jackie, really delighted that you can be with us today. I'm going to hand the reins over to you. If you would like to share with us now your mystery object and a little bit more about who is Jackie Vaz. Uh, thank you, Amy. That was a brilliant introduction. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Really delighted to be here today. So my object is, and I think a lot of you will relate to this, to help me with my own personal well-being. But I'm just going to go and get it. It's quite heavy. 
So I'm just going to take my earbuds out so I won't be able to hear anybody for a moment. Here we go. Okay. There you go. This is an incredible mystery object. So, this is Lena. <laughs> so I don't know who rescued who. I don't know if, if I rescued her or if she rescued me. But I have always had a dog in my life. And for me, I couldn't be without a dog. And I think she probably feels the same. Oh, no, she's going. <laughs> okay, I'll just pop myself back together again. So, Jackie, tell us then a little bit more about how you would define financial well-being. Yes, money is one of those things that a lot of us aren't very good at talking about, even within our own family network, never mind in the workplace. And for me, financial well-being is about an individual understanding where they are with the money. And if they're not where they want to be, knowing where to get help or get information and then being able to plan for the future yeah. and when all of those things come together an individual will feel more capable more confident and less anxiety and stress over money so that's my feeling on the well-being of, of financial aspects so it's really a confidence in that knowledge and awareness of where to go for support and what they're doing with their money. Yeah. So we don't, we were never taught at school about how to look after money. It's such a basic thing. It's just understanding about finances and how to access information and how to deal with things is a skill that we all need, but it's a lifelong skill. Absolutely. And we have those skills, we'll, we can, we'll use them all the way through our working life and into retirement if we've got the right skills. So, yeah, it's about, having that confidence and capability. Yeah. So the majority of the people that you meet, how would you rate their financial well-being with that definition, if you like? Yeah. So I would say most people that I meet have got some niggle. There is something that, that worries them, but that is a lot of the reason why they will come and sit with me in a one-to-one -one as well, of course. I would say over a, over the duration of a year is maybe one percent of people that I meet that I would say they've got it they're bang on they know where they're at they know where they're going they don't need somebody like me oh just one percent very rare gosh that's quite something isn't it can you give us an example of how you've helped someone yeah as you said on the introduction a lot of people just are very unsure about pensions and there was one case and the chap doesn't have very much money. His whole life, he's earned good money, but he spent it. He's been a spender. And some people are, they just spend, they don't plan. They live for today. And he is one of those types of people. He's got a very good job, and but he has never joined any of his company pension schemes. And he'd been offered them and didn't join them. Now, I know that if you go back to the sort of 1980s, 1990s, there were a lot of doorstep salespeople selling pensions, and you didn't necessarily put any money in, but you can build up a benefit of contracted out benefits. So I did some research and I found a plan for him that he didn't know. And there was 18 grand in it, which oh. grand is not going to give you a retirement income, but 18 grand is 18 grand. And he would never have found it if he hadn't have engaged with me. He would never, ever have known about it. 
Goodness me. That's quite, that's one that I repeat over and over again, finding. Can you tell us a bit more about how you get involved when you're working with an organisation? Yeah, so the way I like it to go is to start with the employer, first of all. So find out what they've got. Find out what they have as benefits for the staff. Find out what they're doing. And we can reinforce that by asking the staff what's important to them. So doing a survey. And then I can then put forward some ideas. Some of them are things they can implement themselves. I like just having like booklets and brochures and tidying up their induction process when they have new employees so that they are actually explaining what the benefits are. And then for those employers that are really engaged with it, I can do presentations that might be on specific topics or just general. And where we really add value is doing one-to-ones in the workplace. So that's where an individual can have a confidential meeting. It doesn't have to be very long, 15 or 20 minutes. I can cover an incredible amount of things in a 20-minute one-to-one. And that's where I see the results, really see the results. I see that the people that were coming to see me 10 years ago were right, were doing the basics. And now when they come to see me, they already understand. And now they're making their own plans. And then they're asking me what I think. So I've educated them to look after themselves. And they're only really coming to see me for a sense check then. So can you tell us a bit more about what that education is? What typically are the kind of things that you're giving that guidance on? Yeah, so quite often an employee will come in for one-to-one and they know that I'm the pension lady. So they'll say, should I be paying more into my pension? Now, for example, there was a chap this week, actually, and he's in his early 30s. He's married. He's got a mortgage and he's got a two-year-old and he wanted to put, he wants to put more money into his pension. But what I want to know is, have you got any money set aside for emergencies? Because a two-year-old is going to turn into a 12-year-old that wants trainers to a 17-year-old that wants driving lessons and then wants a car and a university education. So he's got a lot of other financial commitments before he gets to draw his pension. So it's about making sure people have got the basics with their financial planning, getting their, having an emergency fund, being protected for those financial shocks, like having the right sort of life cover in place. He hasn't got a will. All these things which we go, oh, and I bet if we ask your audience, how how many of your audience have got a will? I bet only half of them have. Yeah. (laughs) Got a will, Amy. Do you know, I have. Only, (laughs) but only just. But that sense of confidence also it gives you when you've got that in place is huge, isn't it? And I'm very much trying Mm -hmm. to empower people to do it themselves I'm not going to do it for them I want them to do it I want them to understand the importance and be empowered to actually do it so I will say to people I've gone through this isn't this what are you going to do how are you going to get to that point and then if they are in an organization where I'm there regularly then I'm basically saying to them it's your homework I want you to have done that by the time I see you again (laughs) excellent so unfortunately The whole world cannot have access to Jackie Vaz. So what does somebody in, say, the same situation as that chap you were just talking about in another organization that doesn't have access to you, what can he or she do to understand where the priorities could lie? Or Yeah, absolutely. There is lots of really good information out there. So my favorite is Money and Pension Service. Now, 
for those of you that haven't heard of it, it used to be called Money Advice Service. And I am still surprised at how many people haven't heard of Money Advice Service. Now, this is a government site. It's got fact sheets. There's budget planners on there. There's help how to get on the housing ladder. It has got everything on there from debt to what do I need to do to sort out my retirement options. They do have web chat and as well. And then employers can access a lot of the publications on there. So employers can download publications. They can order booklets. There's booklets on all sorts of topics, like things like understanding a mortgage. What is equity release? The kind of booklets that you can just scatter about in canteens and things. So that would be my go-to place for individuals to access free financial guidance. Fantastic. Yeah, that's absolutely brilliant, isn't it? And what more can the employer do then to push this kind of information out, if you like? Yeah, so it, it does depend on the size of the organisation. So I've seen now even smaller organisations having these portals where you can have all your documents in one place, which is great, but how often do people actually go on and look at it? So it's about the communication between the employer and the employees is key. So I like to encourage employers to use as many different communication uh, strategies as they can. So from the poster on the back of the toilet door to their virtual platform to sending out messages or dropping leaflets. What we found with employers is they don't know where to start. So when we're talking about money, they don't want to cross that line into financial advice. So that it just means they do nothing. So going to places like Money Advice Service, where you could be confident that you are providing the right information, but also just going to the things you've already got, like the pension scheme. The pension providers are really good for providing posters, booklets, videos, all these kind of things, which then all you're doing as an employer is signposting your employees to it. Yeah. You're not saying you have to put more money in the pension. Yeah, so it's actually it's the same as having a supportive conversation if someone's struggling with their mental health or with stress. The majority of us aren't medics. We're not there to solve the issue. And likewise, the majority of us aren't financial well-being experts either. And so it's about having that supportive conversation, isn't it? And then, but having that knowledge about where to signpost someone. I think, yeah, and it's making sure that employees know where they can get this information. So a lot of employees are not going to go to their line manager and say, I've got loads of debt. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah. not going to do that. So then, or they may not even talk to their colleagues about it. But if they've seen a poster or got a booklet or there's been something about, they might, they, they may then make the effort to do something on their own. It doesn't have to be the employer doing it. It just has to be that they know where. To. Employees trust the information that the employer is putting out there. Yeah, yeah. And all of that, all of that's really helpful for small and large organizations, isn't it? But large organizations also have employee assistance programs, don't they? So what benefits in terms of financial well-being can people get through that? Yeah. So these have really evolved the employee <laughs> assistance programs. So it's not just, so it is all areas of well-being, not just financial. And a lot of them now have a financial well-being support in built into those employee assistance programs. And But again, it's down to, they have them, do all the stuff, know that they've got it. So it's even if an employer might 
have it all on their platform or goes through it on the induction, people forget what they've got. So it is just doing those communication or those awareness campaigns out to the workforce to remind them of the benefits that they've got, to yeah. remind them that there's, you can, you, it's easy to do an awareness campaign, just pick one thing out of the EAP per month that you're going to promote. So even if it only touches 1% and makes a difference, that's better than nothing. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so, an important thing as well to note on these employees, because you said the big companies have got them. These are very accessible to small employers. They're not like a perk for big organizations anymore. They're very accessible. And I did come across, it was actually at one of those exhibitions that we did yeah. at the NEC. A lady came up to me. They've got around 50 staff. And she said, we want to put in an EAP. Do you sell them? So, of course, we're commercial, so we want to sell products, of course. But I said, so what benefits do you already have? And she said, well, we've got the pension, of course, and then we've got death in service. She says, who is your death in service with? And she knew the insurance company, and I know the insurance company. I says, but you've got an employee assistance program free of charge with your death in service. Wow. And her face looked a bit like, what? I don't think she believed me. But these are now very mainstream products included in with a lot of the protection policies. So she didn't need to buy one. She's already got one. She just didn't know. <laughs> so it is really important that employees just familiarize themselves with what they've already got. And then when they know what they've got, get the messages out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's just go back to the chap who didn't realize he had 18 grand in the pot what was that about then how come he didn't realize it was there some people will remember contracting out pension i don't want to go too complicated on it but it used to be it's not available anymore with the mm -hmm. state pension that you had the basic state pension and then there was an additional state pension and you built up the additional state pension if you had certain earnings but what you could do is you could say, oh, I don't want to pay. I don't want to contribute to the additional state pension. So we're not foregoing the basic. I would rather have what you're going to give me as additional state pension. I'd rather have that in my own pension. So it's called contracting out. So basically contracting out of the additional state pension and the national insurance that you paid, some of it went towards the basic state pension. And the bit that would have gone to the additional state pension is rebated straight into your pension scheme. So you don't see it happening. Okay. And this is the problem. And people forget what they've got. But what you can do is you can contact the National Insurance Contributions Office, the contracting out department, and they will tell you who your pension, contracting out pension is with. Because right. they were paying into it because they were paying your national insurance into it. So they've got a record of it. So everybody can find out where their national insurance contributions pension is where their service okay. pension is, basically. Yeah. And again, that's a message, presumably, that workplace place can also be promoting out to suggest to people. Yeah, and it is, but it is a, it's a snapshot in time. Okay. So it's the young, the, our younger generations, it doesn't affect. So we just need to be careful about the age group that it will affect. Sure, got you, absolutely. But yeah, there's so many things like that. Yeah. So in terms of encouraging that, why should an organization encourage financial well-being amongst its employees? I think we talk about well-being a lot, don't we, and mental well-being. And what we forget is that 
financial distress and financial stress is the main cause of people's anxiety and stress. Yeah. So that's directly linked to it. And we can prevent that. But the other side of it as well is if people are struggling mentally, how is that affecting their work? But also, is it then causing them financial stress as well because they're worried about work, they're worried about losing their job or not getting their bonus, or they might be doing things like overspending, not addressing things. So poor mental health can cause financial distress. Yeah. So they're both, it's a two-way street that boat goes both ways. Mm, So for employers, it's difficult to measure, isn't it? It's so difficult to measure. But there's so many things that employers can do to improve employees' financial well-being without it being a huge burden on the employer or a huge financial cost on the employer. And even if you touch one person in a positive way, then. Yeah, absolutely. It's directly linked, isn't it, to productivity, absenteeism, presenteeism. Yeah, all of these things. And I think it's about... As you said, a lot of people, it's head in the sand stuff, isn't it? Don't, they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to face it. And, but at the same time, it can be that massive worry, yeah. the cause of a, a lot of anxiety. So the more, I guess, the more an organization can inform, the better. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen, had one lady come in. I'd not seen her before. And, she was clearly under a lot of stress and she brought a big pile of pension paperwork and she threw it all on the desk in front of me and she was really angry with me because she was in the pension and she couldn't afford it and she didn't think it was fair that she'd been enrolled into the pension. But then as I broke things down a little bit with her and then I said to her, well, I'm here to help you. I am here to help you. And then the anger just went... And she just ended up in floods of tears and she was just so worried about money. So all the horrible emotions to people. Yeah, but absolutely. That was quite upsetting to see her in that much distress. But that's it. It's just knowing she came to me, but I don't know whether she would have known where to go if I hadn't been there. Yeah. Yeah. And she so did, need, and she did, did you... need to blow off as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes that can be quite helpful. How did you help her? Obviously, just that I'm here to help, that can be a huge relief for people. Yeah. So what were the steps that you took her through then? Yeah, so for her, first of all, it was about understanding why it had happened and what she can do to undo it, so to speak, and her knowing what's going to happen if she goes on to another employer that she understands that this is going to happen automatically. And then the next thing was I explained to her how much it was actually costing her. Yeah, this horrible bit of paper that spits out of payroll that says, this is your workplace pension. And it's all jargon and horrible percentages and things. It doesn't actually say it's going to cost you £25 a month and you're going to get this. It doesn't actually say that. Right. So I could say to her, because you're in the pension, this is what your salary is. This is what the percentage is. This is how much worse off you are every mm. month because you are in the pension. But Mm -hmm. this is how much is going into your pension. So turn it into pounds and pence. Yeah. So then she was like, oh, I might as well stay in then. (laughs) Because she thought it was costing. And then we can say, okay, we can stay in the pension. Let's look at your budget. So then it's just the basics. I go back to basic planning. What do you spend on this? What do you spend on that? What do you spend on the other? 
And then it's it's just giving people those tools to say, I've got to keep track of your budget every month until you get yourself into this position and things will improve. Yeah, yeah. And the various helplines, which we'll talk about again a little later on with your top tips, the help links, if you like, are there any there that people can actually talk to someone? Yeah, so the one that I mentioned, Money Advice Service, it's got telephone and it's got web chat. There is, and part of money, sorry, it's called Money and Pension Service. (laughs) And part of that is, and a lot of people don't know about this, I'm always handing out leaflets on the retirement options, a consultation service, pension-wise it's called. So that's for people who are 50 and over. So we're not talking about people in debt and things, but people planning. And it's a free consultation, one-to-one. And it's about 45 minutes long. It's set up by the government and then they send you a report which explains all the options. Right. So that's available to the over 50s. Trying to think of what, I mean, I think if anybody looks at the money and pension service, everything is on there. Right. Yeah. Everything that you could ever ever think of. And the dream of. (laughs) (laughs) Do you dream about money? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it grows on trees. Great. Thank you so much, Jackie. Let us now have a look at the question that you are posing us all here today. Do you want to talk us through it? Yes. Now, this is very topical at the moment. So I am having a lot of employers come to me saying, can you help us work out whether our benefits package is right? And I'm seeing it across all sectors that they are losing staff or they're advertising jobs where they used to just be inundated with applications. Now they're not getting the applications in. It is a lot of it is around unemployment is really low at the moment. So we just don't have the workforce that we did have. So I would like to ask the room, please, if you think that on top of salary, because obviously salary is important, do you think wider benefits like the pension, um, sick pay schemes or sick pay, death in service, and the, all of these sort of well-being support services, do you think that the employers see that they are valuable benefits to have in the workplace? Great. And that question is just going into the chat there so now we'd like to open up the floor please and if you have a question that is fantastic if you could maybe use one of the reaction the hands up reaction things or whatever then I'll know that you've got a question and invite you in or a response rather a question or a response to this question that Jackie's posing us anybody got a question or a thought on this question Hi there. Shall I come in? It's Karen Armitage here. Hi, Karen. Yeah, that'd be lovely. Where do you work, Karen, first? before I work for Leeds Teaching Hospitals Trust, and we do an awful lot of well-being activities for our staff, quite a large workforce, 23,000 of them approximately. And well-being is a massive priority, especially after the pandemic and the working conditions that staff have been in. And I was just thinking about the particular question. I think that they are all fabulous benefits but I think perhaps they're just taken as read that an employer will provide those and perhaps taken for granted maybe so that's it's first world problems really isn't it that we've got these benefits and we perhaps don't value them as much as we should because they are fabulous benefits to get paid while you're off sick 
that's quite amazing, really, isn't it? As well as everything else. But we're constantly trying to think about ways to recruit and retain our staff because, yes, it is a national problem. Any ideas that anyone else has along those lines would be gratefully appreciated. And I think some trusts are going down the road of if a member of staff could recommend people that might want to come and work and apply for jobs in the trust and that they might get some form of reward for that. They might get some high street shopping vouchers for putting people's names forward and then they can be approached to see if they'd like to apply for the job and that kind of thing. Thanks, Karen. It'd be great for Jackie just to give some kind of response to your thoughts. Yes, I think for the size of your organisation, it is a given that you have those benefits. But there are so many employers that that don't have anything except for the pension, especially in smaller organisations. Or it might be that they only have death in service. But I think, yes, for the size of your organisation, it is about just keep banging that drum and getting the messages out there. And of course, people will always be motivated by money. (laughs) So the rewards, the voucher rewards or whatever Mm. it might be. But I think people are also, when people are appreciated, not even necessarily in monetary terms, I think that is really valuable too, that they feel valued in the workplace, that they feel that their role is important. Absolutely. And also shouting about what you're doing proactively for people's mental health and well-being, financial and otherwise, is a great way to attract people as well, of course, as we know. And it's become much more front and centre since the pandemic as well. Thanks very much, Karen. Tara Ferguson, do come in. Tell us where everybody else, where you work. I know, of course, but do share. Yeah. Hi, everyone. I work for a pharma tech company called Accenture, kind of SME size. I would say the question is a really interesting one and one that before I joined this company, I worked in FMCG, big multinational kind of corporates. And I would have looked at the question and thought it's just a given and benefits like that are a given and very much the expectation in that industry, a good pension matched or more contributions, high death in service, long periods of sick pay. When I moved sector, I was really surprised to see that the offerings, although competitive, were very different. And where I work now, and we're not, I wouldn't say we're different to the industry that we work within, much lower pension contributions, much lower sick pay, but conversely, much higher in terms of some of the kind of immediate benefits. So really good healthcare provision, really good kind of spend on like cash plan and dental and I can get homeopathy and I can get sports massage and I can get all sorts of stuff like today, tomorrow. But I've seen a real difference in industry in terms of expectation of employees from between those kind of benefits and those kind of longer term financial stability security benefits, which I was really surprised joining that people weren't complaining and they really aren't complaining. And it is industry standard, but it's very different I've seen between industries. What do you think, Jackie? Do you think provision should be more homogenized across all industries, all sizes of industry? What's your thought? It puts more pressure on employers, doesn't it, if you force it? And I do think that benefits needs to be bespoke to the individual organisation as well. So if you have a call centre and most of the employees are very young, then they've got very different needs to, say, an engineering company with 
people at much older end of the workforce, the youngsters aren't interested in life cover. They're not as interested as, say, somebody who's got a family. So I think it does have to be, once you get into the size of organisations of the first lady, then yes, it's you've got all the demographics, but it's it tends to be the smaller employers that haven't really embraced these benefits. And I think they can do a lot more, but to make it compulsory, I don't think would be the way to go. Yeah, it's, it's interesting though. It has to be has to be the right fit, doesn't it? it has yeah, to be the right fit. It's interesting on the pension though is that there is policy push from all political parties to get people to save more pension. So I think we will probably see the minimum pension contributions go up. Probably not immediately, but certainly I think we're going to see that quite soon. Thanks, Tara. Thanks for it's a great point to make. Paul Whitehead from the Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons, Glasgow. You'd say staff don't fully understand what benefits are available and how to optimise. Yes, that was really echoing what you're saying, isn't it, Jackie? Yeah. I know people are cutting pension contributions, but don't fully grasp that that means the employer cuts too, and sometimes by twice as much as is the case where I work. Paul, are you able to open up? Yeah, I'm here. I think that's a conversation that I've had with some colleagues here, just given the cost of living crisis. And not just not realizing just how generous the employer contribution to the pension is, because in our case, up to we can pay in up to five percent and the employer will match that up to 10 percent. You cut that down to three percent. That's a six percent reduction in your pension contribution. So something to, for people to be wary of. And I'd say as well, I'm not fully aware of all the benefits that we get here. And I know we're currently discussing adding new ones. So I think it is a really topical issue. And something that if it's promoted more and made more available, people do value it. But I think it's often complicated. Absolutely. What are your thoughts, Jackie? So it's interesting on, on the discussion around the pension contributions, because I haven't seen it filtering through yet, but I am expecting people to start saying to me, oh, can I come out of the pension scheme? And to save money, basically. Now, the danger with that is, and it's sometimes it's valid, because it might be, you've got to put food on the table now. So it might be valid to come out of the pension scheme, but it's about encouraging those individuals to say, make it short term. It, we want to make sure you don't stay out for any longer than you need to. Make yourself a diary note to review your financial situation in three months and then fill in that form to get back in. But it is interesting on the matching thing because that's mm-hmm. really generous pension scheme. And people probably don't always understand that they've got that and that the employer don't always put them, default them into the top end. They'll default them into the bottom end and expect them to make a decision to opt into to a higher regime and then regarding the other benefits saying of reviewing that and that it is valued but people don't really understand what they've got that comes back to what we were saying should we say before about having clear jargon-free information for the employees so not saying oh you get this income protection scheme if you're off sick and here's the terms and conditions and giving them the 35 page booklet from the insurance company that's like in tiniest grey font on a white background (laughs) that nobody can read unless they're only 21 years old. So just about making the information easy to understand. If somebody then wants to go off and get all the detail, they can. But as long as we've got the top bits of information so that they go, ah, yes, I need to remember I've got that. Yeah, it's a really good point, Jackie, isn't it? It's about making it palatable, isn't it? Yeah. Because otherwise it's, as you so rightly describe, it's quite a turn off, isn't it? It's a bit grey, isn't it? It is. Thank you. Yes, it is very great. Thank you, (laughs) folks, for your contributions. I know there's a few more comments in the chat. 
I'm keen now just for Jackie to share her top tips with us. So Jackie, tell us a little bit more about Back to Basics. Yes, so this is for employers to, before they start enhancing benefits, check what you've already got. Like the example I said about the lady who didn't realise she already had an EAP. So it's going through every benefit that you have and making sure that you as an employer understand what there is and that you are communicating that to your staff effectively. And again, it's back to that just nice, easy information. So one thing that you can do is when you do an induction with a new member of staff, give them a physical pack or give them the option to have a physical pack with the information in, even though it is all maybe online. Some people like bits of paper. So just right back to the basics. Fabulous. Salary benchmarking. Tell us about that. Yes, this is this is from Krona. A lot of you will have heard of Krona. And it's a huge database of employers' packages that they provide to employees. So it includes things like salary, pension contributions, death in service, private medical, bonuses, lunches, petrol expenses, all this kind of thing. So you put in the rank of the person that you want to benchmark, like middle management. You say whereabouts in the country you are, put all these sorts of information in, and it will give you a report which tells you what your peers are doing. And it's real data. Now, it is something you have to subscribe to, but if you like the idea of it, Krona are more than happy for you to have a free trial so you can run a few through. Just helping with that sort of benchmarking. Yeah. Educate yourself. So get ready, folks. There's lots of information (laughs) (laughs) that we can all help ourselves with. Yeah. Go, go, Jackie. Financial capability and the financial well-being in the workplace are publication and they do link into each other. Now, the financial well-being in the workplace one is from 2017, but it is still totally valid. And financial capability is where an employer can go to put together a framework all around financial well-being in the workplace. So this is something that you can do yourselves to learn how to evaluate, measure and implement a financial capability program yourselves in the workplace. And you, it is, there's a lot of information there, but even if you just pick out the bits that, you know, one thing that you can do, I think that's relevant. And then, of course, CIPD, I'm sure you're aware of that. There's an incredible amount of information on there. And conferences, we exhibit. And so it is such a great way to get out of the office, get talking to real support services, speakers and all that kind of thing. So we've just listed our favourites there. Build a plan and review annually. Yes. So this is aimed at employers, but employees can do it too, of course. It is an individual It might be that this year it is assess everything that we've got and have a financial awareness campaign that we're going to push out to all the employers this year. And then next year, what are we going to do for the next 12 months? So it's just having that um, discipline to, if you like, have a meeting with the people that make the decisions all together, round the room, push all the ideas through, build a plan, but implement it and then keep reviewing it each year. Yeah, lovely. Bring in third party professionals. Oh, yes. Oh, we mentioned wills earlier, didn't we? We did. I'm all welled up. 
all welled up. Now, this is probably more so for people that have got physical locations, but solicitors and will writers will come into the workplace free of charge and do a presentation for you so that people can understand the importance of why they need a will, etc. So there's lots of things you can do like that. Will writers, mortgage advisors will help with talk about debt, people like us, of course, and they don't all charge because they want your staff to go to them first if they need something. It works for everyone, right? It's promotion mm-hmm. them, but equally it's about, mainly it's about empowering the employees. Empowering right? them to do it, yeah. yeah. So it's about organising yeah. it for them. The employee trusts the people that you bring in. Yeah. And oh, finally, yeah. easy one, just doing surveys. And it, for those organisations that have got a huge workforce, it might be that you do a bit of a pilot scheme just on a small amount of the workforce. And then, of course, the software these days, it's so easy to do surveys, isn't it, and get really good analytics on it. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Fantastic top tips and links there. Thanks so much, Jackie. So let me now just ask you a few Quick fire questions. Are you oh, ready? No. <laughs> Jackie, <laughs> what does vulnerability mean to you? Oh, vulnerability is when you've got that horrible feeling that you're not in control or you don't know where to go or you don't know what to do. That, yes, scary place. Be a scary place. Okay, mm. thank you. What do you think is going to revolutionize workplace mental health? Oh, Amy, that's such a big question. <laughs> we can come back to it. Revolutionise it. I think we. I think I might not be able to answer it exactly, but I don't know about everybody else. But I do feel that people are talking about things a lot more than they have ever done, ever done. So I think more of the same. Really, I don't know about revolutionise. I would have to think about that one. What message, Jackie Baz, would you give your younger self? <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm going to be very honest here. Uh-huh. It would be when I was in my early twenties, I bought a car, a three-year-old car on tick. And then I bought a house and I borrowed the money for the deposit off my mum. And then I did my budget. <laughs> And I couldn't afford to eat. I had no money left over for food. (laughs) (laughs) So my lesson to my younger self would be, don't buy a car on tick. Just keep running around in old bangers. You don't need such a fancy car. Yeah. Do you think fancy cars are, do you think that's a problem for younger generation? Can I tell you the story about, have we got two minutes for me to tell you a story about a chat? Yeah, tell us a story. So I did a one-to-one in the workplace and this was, it's a manufacturing company. The shop floor staff are unskilled workers, just moving bits of metal around basically. And one of the team leaders booked a one-to-one with me and he's proper petrol head. He loves cars and he had got one a car on one of these like finance things and they'd said, oh, you can have the, the new thing, the new car. So he's then committed himself to this car which is costing him more money, which he doesn't need. He had a perfectly okay car, but he liked it. He lives a long way away from work and it does 12 miles to the gallon. Now, this is before the oil crisis. Before petrol prices went up. 
And he is, I think he's got ADHD because when he comes in for a one-to-one, he is all over the place. And he was panicking. And so we went, we did the basics. We went through the budget. He can afford it. He can afford it. It was no problem. He could afford it and the petrol costs. But I said, how do you feel about it now? Do you feel like it was an impulse purchase and you wish you hadn't done it? Because you don't need it, do you? And he said, a bit. I said, okay, you can afford it so you can relax. You know, if you want it, there's no issue. I said, have you got one of those 30-day things where you can change your mind? He said, yes. Yeah. So how long have you had it? And he'd only had it like 10 days. I said, you said, give it back. Anyway, I did see him six months later and he gave it back. Wow. He gave it back. Wow. So I was really pleased with that because it wasn't that, it was important to him, but not that, but yeah, he gave the car back. And he also moved closer to work, so he didn't have the same. But, but thank goodness he did, because I haven't seen him since the, all the oil prices went up, but I bet he's glad he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So when you think about that client, what was it that you gave him that he didn't have before? I think I just told him to do what he knew he should do. Okay. Yeah. It was just that he knew, didn't he? He knows that's what he just needed me to tell him to do it. So I just gave him the permission to swallow his pride and go and give the car back. Nice one. I also heard though you did the calculations for him. Yeah, yeah we did his budget. Yeah. yeah. So you gave, always, you gave him the knowledge. Ba- back to doing the budget. Always. But but first thing, budget. First, budget. Budget, then protect, then plan. Budget okay. One final quick fire question for you. If you could wave a magic wand at every workplace, what would you make happen? Could have asked me to prepare for these. <laughs> <laughs> Gut reaction, Jackie. Gut reaction is make every workplace dog friendly. <laughs> I love that. Um, free ice creams. Free ice creams. Yeah, free ice creams and dog friendly. I'll go with that. Nice one. Jackie, it's been an absolute joy and a pleasure. I'm going to hand over to Angus now. Thank Thank you you so much. Thank you, everyone. Dog friendly workplaces and free ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) That's great, Jackie. It's always, it's a wonderful pleasure always to see you. We've known you for quite a long time now and it's always humorous interesting insightful practical there's always great stuff that you come out with i think it's staggering that only one percent of people have got their finances nailed that is just unbelievable when you think about how important this is to everybody's lives we see the impact we go into workplaces we often see and we hear about the impact of debt and especially gambling, yeah? Yeah. Uh, It is absolutely enormous. I find it personally, and this is a personal opinion, it may not be opinion of anybody else here, but the richest, most highly paid woman in Britain runs an online gambling firm, yeah? And I really have a problem with that, actually. When I see the impact of what happens, But what you do, the impact of what you do is so positive. You do, what you do is life-changing. Yeah, that's what comes across. You give practical advice. It's straightforward. Right, let's look at the basics. Let's look at the budget. 
you can afford this car that does 12 miles to the gallon. Whether you want to afford it or not is what you've got to decide. And having people feeling confident, your words, confident and having the capability. So you're educating people. And this is what's not happening. That's really obvious. If only 1% of people are actually confident in their finances, then there's a big job to do. So it's obviously going to keep you busy for a while. (laughs) So thank you, Jackie. It's been wonderful having you on. It's always great to see you. And on behalf of everybody here, thank you very much. So I think for next time, we have Lutfer Ali. And Lutfer is Senior Policy Advisor at the CIPD. He is a specialist in diversity and inclusion. And I think Lutfer will be fascinating on this. He's going to talk about various things, some of the languages used and how that can affect businesses and the performance within the business and so on. We've got some dates for your diary there. So there's Lutfer on the 23rd of February, 2023. On the 23rd of March, we have Tim Duggan. Tim is from Australia and he is an author of some award-winning books there on business, leadership and entrepreneurship. Tim is a really good character. I met him having dinner one day and by pure chance. And so looking forward to that. We also have Rob Williams from Vet Partners, head of talent at Vet Partners. Vet Partners have about 8,000 people on their payroll. They are right across the UK and also in Europe now. Rob, we've known also for quite a while, and I think that'll be also a highly entertaining well-beinger. Please follow us on LinkedIn. We do run events like this and other ones on a regular basis. If you'd like to find more about what we do, we have tailored solutions for senior leaders, people managers, and frontline people. So get in touch, and we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to have a chat with you. So I think unless there's anything else, it's uh, that's us for the well-being hour for this month and thank you again jackie thank you very thank much. you so that's much brilliant. jackie <laughs> thanks for listening to the well-being hour we hope you enjoyed the conversation these events take place regularly so do join us for more and if your organization would like to develop a mentally healthy culture we'd be happy to work with your senior team people managers and frontline staff please get in touch at headtorch.org We look forward to hearing from you.